Hello and welcome back to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes your favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and joining us this week, we have a pair of special guests. Usually, there's some very online gays who are dealing with some gay space rocks, but this week, I hear they've brought something a little different to the table. Hi, I'm Brian. Uh, I guess, I don't know, <laughs> we didn't establish an order, so I'm just going for it. Hi, I'm Brian. I use he, him pronouns. You can find me on the internet at RoomWearPod. You can find the podcast that we're a part of, Gay Space Rocks, a Steven Universe watching podcast where we watch Steven Universe. Uh, you can find that on Twitter at GaySpacePod. And uh, I'm August. I'm the other host of Gay Space Rocks. Uh, my pronouns are they, them, and you can find me on the internet at Harpydora. The end. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to plug all the podcasts I'm on because we'll be here yeah, all fucking we'll be, day. But yeah, between the two of us, it's going to be a hot minute. We'll <laughs> save that for the end. <laughs> that, yeah. That's the bonus yeah. episode. The bonus episode <laughs> is uh, just your plugs. Huckstering our other podcasts. Um. All right. So it's cool to have you all here this week. What have you, what have you brought with you? Who have you brought with you? We have brought with us... A war criminal. Many, actually. Yes. <laughs> uh, we have a proposal for a, a reboot of the original uh, third in the series. <laughs> the first game anyone played, though. Uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid. Ah, yes. Listen, there's there's a lot of good stuff here. <laughs> so, context for this is on Mondays, August and I do a video gaming stream. Uh, it's initially started out as titled as Metal Gear Monday because we were playing through the entire Metal Gear uh, Solid franchise. Um, and now it's Magic Gear Monday because we ran out of those games. Yeah, <laughs> now we're doing other things. Uh, yeah. We played through Metal Gear, and then we did Bioshock, and now we're on to the Supergiant games, minus Hades, because we don't have that kind of time. Fair. Fair. <laughs> uh, but in it, August and I discovered this deep love of Metal Gear. Not a love, it just lives in our fucking brains now. Yep. <laughs> it's it's, a, it's a, a disease that I call heavy Metal Gear poisoning. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not a whole lot, but it seems like my father is on the route to becoming the main villain, apparently. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I I joke, but my dad is a soon-to-be-retired member of the Canadian Armed Forces, and he has no plans. Ah, well, just keep him from buying, like, a, a dis disused oil rig out in the middle of the ocean, and you should be fine. Yeah. Also, yeah. I yeah also, don't let him let him digitize his brain into like a, a cabal of AIs <laughs> that control the the world governments. <laughs> yeah, a daddy to surpass Metal Gear. <laughs> Jesus Christ! God, yeah. don't. Um, I know, I know various sporadic snippets of Metal Gear, which if I list them off, it's going to sound like the lyrics to "We Didn't Start the Fire." <laughs> it's a bit like that, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the the fun thing about Metal Gear is that it, it it's a game that takes itself seriously to a point, um, and also uh, proposes some very interesting ideas when it comes to like geopolitics and the industrial like the you know industrial war complex or military industrial complex. That's what I was trying to say. Jeez, uh, sorry, I've worked all day. I can't think. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> It does have some issues. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. Mostly. I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah, sure Kojima on, has ever had a conversation with a woman. <laughs> <laughs> like, Metal Gear games are weird. They're sexist. <laughs> the, the, full stop, they are. But in a way where it's like an alien interpreting yeah, like Western it's, media sexist. It's, it's really weird because it's like compulsory heterosexuality. Like they have titties in them, but it feels like the narrative doesn't understand what you're supposed to do with the titties. It's just like 
you know, oh, we're supposed to have a fan service quota, so I guess here's some fan service, but it's just, it's so weird. And it comes at the weirdest times. Like, it'll just be like this character full on, like, full on tits out, giving you a very succinct lecture uh, about the plight of the soldier in the military industrial complex. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> Metal Gear. <laughs> um, so we're going to fix it in some interesting ways. Not fix it, reimagine yeah. it. The first Metal Gear game actually holds up still pretty it good. It does, it does. Frankly. Yeah. Uh, we played through most of the franchise except for Peace Walker because I couldn't get my PS uh, P emulator to work and I was not going to go buy a $60 capture card to play it with my PS3. Uh, and we didn't play Metal Gear 4 uh, because I hate that mm. game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, I don't like the way it plays. I think the bosses are the weakest bosses in the entire franchise, uh, and it's like 80,000% cutscenes, so. Uh, if you want to play Metal Gear 4, just watch the cutscene movie on YouTube, and that's the game. Frankly. Yeah, I, I'm i on the TV Tros page, and it says that Metal Gear 4 holds the records for most longest cutscene and longest cutscene sequence. Jesus. Yeah, there's a, like a literal, I think there's an hour and a half cutscene in it. That's basically a movie. Yeah. Uh. Which is fine. It, it It's Kojima and his most untethered. But we're not here to talk about Hideo <laughs> Kojima. A very... We cannot reboot Hideo Kojima, unfortunately. Uh, but we can reboot Metal Gear Solid. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, shit. <laughs> I knocked a whole drink over on myself. Oh, Jesus, oh, no. are you okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> through my cat-like reflexes, I batted it away from my computer and onto my lap. Uh, one moment. <laughs> Another thing I found on the Metal Gear TV Trust page is that the first two games came out on the MSX2, which I have never heard uh, It's of. a Japanese-only uh, microcomputer. Huh. It's like a 16-bit computer. The games, like, if you look up screenshots from especially Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake... Um, you gotta look at the actual MSX game. Actually, okay, so, quite, s s quick diatribe. The first two games did not come out on the MSX. The first game came out on the MSX. Then there was a Metal Gear NES port to the West, uh, that was wild. Then there was a sequel to that NES port called Snake's Revenge, which is actually the first Metal Gear game I ever played. Uh, it's a terrible game. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> then the one of the developers from that Western-only Metal Gear sequel begged Kojima to make a second Metal Gear game because their game was so bad and Metal Gear deserved a good sequel. Then Kojima made Metal Gear Solid Snake or Metal Gear Two Solid Snake for the MSX. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> uh, Kojima was not going to go back to the franchise until that guy convinced him to do so. Yeah, huh. that's like between like. The in, like making Metal Gear uh, or the second Metal Gear game and Metal Gear Solid, Kojima did like uh, Snatcher and Police Knots. Like he just he was on a whole different wavelength. I always forget he did Snatcher. Yeah, Snatcher's a pretty good game. If I could get a Sega CD emulator working properly, that would be a fun one to play. Uh, anyways, <laughs> now that I have uh, divested <laughs> myself from the uh, Kentucky Mule I made myself earlier. Uh, uh, Metal Gear, bum, 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 not knocking my drink over this time. Uh, <laughs> um, so our initial pitch, we, we come out, we walk out into the stage at E3, uh, and we're like, listen, nerds, fucking Metal Gear is back. Everybody loses their mind. They're like, is Kojima involved? We're like, no. He's had his time in the spotlight. He doesn't want to make any more Metal Gear games. It's obvious from Death Stranding he, he does not want to make, make any Metal more Gear. Metal Gear games. <laughs> he wants to be an artist. Was, I played Metal Gear 5. He was already <laughs> in that mode. He, he made a game that had an hour hour and a half long cutscene. He he never he never stopped being an artist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um they will immediately ask us if David Hayter is back as Solid Snake, and we will go, we have confirmed that David Hayter will be involved in our game. 
and then the game comes out. It starts off as the original Metal Gear does, or Metal Gear Solid does, with, like, so the first cutscene in Metal Gear Solid is Snake getting shot out of a fucking submarine. Uh, <laughs> cool. Okay. Uh, and we kind we kind <laughs> of start with that with like a voiceover from Colonel Campbell, but then it fades into uh like what seems kind of like a, a flashback, and we get what looks kind of like the ending scene to Metal Gear Solid Three, uh, Snake Eater, where we're looking at the character the boss, um, the boss for those who are not well-versed in Metal Gear lore. <laughs> uh, she is uh, America's first super soldier. Uh, she invented the close-quarter combat regiment that the U.S. Army adopted in, in canon to Metal Gear, uh, and she was the leader of a group of basically actual super soldiers, people with magical fucking powers, uh, and helped turn the tide for World War in World War II. Uh, she is... You're the mentor to Big Boss, uh, who is a big player in the lore of Metal Gear Solid, and is also one of the antagonists of Metal Gear Solid 3. Spoiler alert, I guess, for Metal Gear Solid 3. Uh, <laughs> but it turns out that she's a double agent. Uh, actually, she's a, she's a triple agent. Uh, anyways, it's complicated. She gives you a speech at the end of Metal Gear Solid 3, and you have to kill her. Um, we get a, a version of this cutscene where the boss is laid up, uh, she's in her white jumpsuit, her face is half covered in shadow, maybe she looks a little bit older, but probably no one will notice because the last time anyone saw the boss it was in Metal Gear Solid 3 on the PlayStation fucking 2, so no one knows what she looks like. Um. It's fine, this is <laughs> fine. Yeah, this is fine. Uh, and she gives you roughly the same speech from the end of Metal Gear Solid 3, gunshot, clash, we're back to... Being Snake, Campbell's wrapping up his speech, uh, and we enter the first level, we enter the first iconic level of Metal Gear Solid 3, or Metal Gear Solid, sorry. Um, they're all named Metal Gear Solid, and I'm just gonna add numbers occasionally throughout here. Just strap in. Basically, the first level kind of plays out the same, it's tutorial on how to move around the space. One of the major changes that we're going to do is to the codec. Uh, in the first game, the codec fucking interrupts the action on a near constant basis, because it's how they do most of the dialogue exposition, uh, which is fine, but it, it doesn't necessarily need to interrupt it constantly. And they fixed a lot of this in Metal Gear Solid five. Uh, also we're running in the Fox engine because it's a beautiful fucking game engine. It's the one they did Metal Gear Solid five in. though. This is not an open world game because fuck everything being an open world game. Basically it all plays out the same though. Snake gets into the elevator and we are, we hit our very first reveal to say that we're on maybe a little different fucking wavelength than the original Metal Gear Solid. August, would you like to tell the big reveal from our, I, I think I've buried the lead <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, no. So the, the main thing, the, the first big thing that we've decided needed to change because Kojima does not understand how ladies work. Snake is a lady now. Yeah, uh, she is. Uh, she is a grizzled veteran. Um, she's not going to be a baby-faced anime girl. She is exactly the same. Well, okay, she's not going to look exactly the same as uh, the original Solid Snake does. But <laughs> she's not going to be a weird pointy polygon. Yeah, she's not going to be a weird po pointy <laughs> polygon with a bullet. Um, but she is a lady, and she is, you know, a, a kind of middle-aged grizzled war veteran um and uh she's great the reason solid snake is now a lady uh is not just a normal gender like we're not just flipping the gender because it would be fun because it would be fun solid snake is a fucking clone anyways she doesn't like doesn't have to be a dude when you're doing a cloning process i imagine i have no idea how clones work um oh by the way for those of you who don't know metal gear <laughs> solid lore uh solid snake uh Liquid Snake, and also there's a Solidus Snake. Um, they're all clones of Big Boss. Okay, and Big <laughs> Boss is different from The Boss. Yeah. Yes, The Boss is the person who trained Big Boss. Yeah. Okay. Big but as we're going to find out is this game... Oh, go on, sorry, August. Yeah, in the game, Big Boss gets his name because at the end, in the, at the end of uh, Snake Eater, in the big climactic battle with the boss, he ostensibly defeats the boss, 
and because he has surpassed the boss, he has earned the title of Big Boss. <laughs> it's 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 I love Kojima's naming conventions. They are definitely not difficult to talk about without getting confused. But um <laughs> yeah, so he's Hot Coldman. He he's Big <laughs> Boss because he has uh he he has defeated his mentor. Except in our timeline where uh Snake after the events of Snake Eater or Big Boss after the events of Snake Eater uh when we get to that climactic battle, when eventually we get to 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 remaking Snake Eater, um, Snake seeing that uh, the U.S. government has uh, betrayed not only him but his mentor, who is also heavily implied that he, they were lovers at one point in time, uh, somebody that he cares about deeply uh, and respects deeply, the U.S. government used her like a, a you know. Like any other pawn, not just used her, but like took everything away from her, uh, chooses to not kill the boss and forces the boss to kill him. <laughs> so the boss becomes the big boss of our universe. Okay. <laughs> Which is why Snake is a lady, uh, because she's a clone of the boss. Because the Laws on Fink Terrible program still keeps happening. Yep. So from this point, the game kind of opens up into that first section of the game, the kind of iconic exterior of the Shadow Moses base. Uh, the, the plot is functionally the same of this game. We're not really changing the plot. It's terrorists have taken over uh, a military base because they want the body of the boss or big boss. Uh, the reason they want that body is because they uh, they used to be a government black ops uh, organization. Uh, and they went through a gene therapy program that is now breaking down and they're slowly dying. That gene therapy was based on the, the body of Big Boss, so they need his, basically they need his body to perfect the gene therapy so they won't, like, die fucking slowly. And also at this military base is a giant bipedal nuclear-equipped tank <laughs> called right. Metal Gear Rex. Okay. <laughs> cool. But is not actually, they just took it over to use as leverage. They don't actually want Metal Gear Rex. <laughs> the, the one thing that never clicked with me when I was trying to figure out what Metal Gear was, was that it's a humongous mecha action game where you never deal with humongous mecha. <laughs> <laughs> the, it, the one thing that they, like, in the Metal Gear Solid series, the, the first two Metal Gear games have a story and a very interesting story for, like, basically 16-bit action games. Um, but obviously not as in-depth as when we get to... Metal Gear Solid is, you know, sort of like the watershed moment of cinematic games when it comes to that console generation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Kojima really uses, like, the giant robot is, like, the Gundam metaphor of, like war in the military it's a bad thing when it's around it's a bad scary thing uh you do fight it occasionally you never get well actually you get inside of one in metal gear 4 but that's a whole fucking thing um yo snake get in the robot <laughs> snake get in the goddamn robot um <laughs> so you go through the first section of the game uh and you crawl inside of shadow moses base uh which is where we kind of set up the next kind of weird gameplay change that we've made, uh, which is Snake, in the original Metal Gear Solid game, Snake gets sent into this base not because he wants to go in, um, but because the U.S. government finds his ass hiding in Alaska and press gangs him into service. Uh, he does not want to be here, <laughs> uh, because he, uh, did not want to do any more fighting, um, and our Snake also doesn't want to be there. She doesn't want to be there. Uh, she's tired of fighting, and because she's being forced back into, like, a mil like military service with very little time to readjust to it, uh, she keeps having flashbacks to the last major engagement that she had, which is Metal Gear 2. <laughs> uh, so we cha there's basically flashback um, gameplay segments where it's the same gameplay, but you're in the Outer Heaven base from Metal Gear 2. Uh, and you're being, the, the voice in your head, like, the voice in your comms is no longer Colonel Campbell, it's Gray Fox, who's an important character in Metal Gear 2 and Metal Gear Solid, but doesn't get a lot of 
backstory in Metal Gear Solid, because for whatever reason, Kojima expected you to have played in Metal Gear 2, even though it never came out in the West. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Great job, Kojima. It's fine. This is fine. Yeah. They get the point across, it's just not as deep as it could be. Uh, and Gray Fox is a pretty cool character, so we might as well give him, like, the rub. Because we're not going to remake Metal Gear 1 and 2. Or are we? <laughs> uh, bum bum bum. <laughs> uh, from there, the game sort of plays out mostly the same. Um, you encounter the bosses. Uh, you encountered Liquid Snake. She is a posh British lady now. So that's fun. Uh, basically, I don't know who we're going to get to voice act uh, any of the characters except for one. Um, two. Actually, two. Two. Uh, though, when it comes to the Liquid Snake line reading, we're just going to have like voice actors come in, and the only word on the script is just sister with like an exclamation point. Whoever reads it the best gets the job. Because uh, <laughs> like, uh, Liquid Snake yells at you, brother, like multiple times throughout the series. That's just like his catchphrase through the series. <laughs> voice actors that we have cast. Uh, well, we'll get to one later. Uh, but one we're definitely casting is we're recasting Ocelot's voice actor to Troy Baker, who voiced him in Metal Gear 5, who, the, the version of Ocelot that August and I nicknamed Hotzalot. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he's, he's uh, very good. He's great. <laughs> he looks, uh, he looks like, what's his name, from Sons of Anarchy. Wait. And Pacific Rim. Oh, Charlie Hunnam? Oh, yeah, he yes. does kind of look like Charlie yeah, Hunnam. Yeah, I can If Charlie Hunnam grew his hair out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, Charlie Hunnam should be Ocelot in that Metal Gear movie opposite fucking... Oscar Isaac. Oh, wait, no, we've got to have... I forgot, we need an old Ocelot because we're doing the Metal Gear Solid story, and Ocelot's old. I mean, Troy <laughs> Baker, we we can put... We can slap some uh, wrinkles on Charlie yeah. Hunnam during mocap. It's true, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um... We also need to fix characterization on a number of the uh, the foxhound, like, uh, quote-unquote terrorists, I guess. Uh, so, first big glaring problem that we need to fix is Vulcan Raiden. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, uh, so I, <laughs> I pop open the character page on TV Tropes, and it's like, here's yeah. Vulcan Raven. Uh -huh. And I, I don't know what to expect from Vulcan Raven, but I don't <laughs> expect as a big burly man with a giant Gatling gun next to the description, this is Foxhound's shaman. Yeah, uh... Yep! <laughs> it's, it sure is a lot. Um, so, there's, uh, Vulcan Raven in... Oh, sorry, go on, See, here's, here's one of the things about uh, Kojima. He has a tendency to do some, like, really weird and kind of bad cultural appropriation while at the same time, like, making valid political points and so like vulcan raven is a really prime example of this because like you know the political points being made in metal gear solid one uh are pretty salient but he's just like a caricature of an inuit like holy person and it's uh shall we say not great yeah yeah and yeah there's nothing wrong with him inherently being like a big motherfucker with a Gatling gun and an affinity for ravens. He can still have, like, a weird- the weird power to talk to ravens, because this is still Metal Gear. <laughs> uh, but we just need- we're, we're going to get, like, some cultural advisors in here. We're going to actually give him, like, some motivations connected to his culture. Fill out Vulcan Raven, because unfortunately a lot of the Foxhound group are kind of one-note caricatures, and- Part of the our mission is to like fix Foxhound and make them people. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so Vulcan Raven is the the first on that list who is going to get an injection of character, uh, become a real character. Uh, we're, we'll fill this out by just having more scenes of Foxhound talking, having dialogue together. And it should be fine. I mean, he can just still be a mother, big motherfucker with a, a Gatling gun as well. Uh, I don't feel like that is incompatible with adding to a character. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's primarily his power is you fight him in a tank and then you fight him with a Gatling gun. Uh, the shaman part never comes into play, frankly. Yeah, it's... It, like I said, it's a lot. 
Well, I mean, okay, there's this there's this weird point where like he implies some sort of blood kinship with Snake, which is incredibly awkward because Snake is a white dude in the game, um, which is something that I don't think we're going to keep here. But yeah, we're gonna take that bit out. Yeah, it it was kind of yikes. Yeah. And then the other major member of Foxhound who is going to get uh, a cult, like a uh, a character uh, filling out, is Sniper Wolf. Uh, they're all, whatever it is that they do, an animal. That's the naming convention for Foxhound. Uh, they're all Mega Man X-Bosses. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> um, Sniper Wolf, she is kind of cool in the first Metal Gear game in the fact that she's like, she's the femme fatale of the Foxhound group. Uh, she's a sniper. Uh, I think she's had gene therapy to where her heart beats slower, so she's an even better sniper. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, when I was talking about this to August the other night, I realized that uh, fucking Overwatch ripped off Sniper Wolf of all things. Mm-hmm. So, that's cool. <laughs> Wait, and, and turned her in... Cal She's not blue. Oh my god, um, they d- Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Blizzard's never had an original thought in their entire corporation. Like, Blizzard makes their money by taking something that somebody else did and doing it in a much more colorful fashion. Like, there's absolutely nothing original about Blizzard at all. And I say this as True. somebody who pays fif- uh, $15 a month for WoW, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, Widowmaker's butt is bigger because it's a spider DNA. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> sure. I mean, Sniper. This is in Alaska, and Sniper Wolf wears like a skin tight bodysuit while out in the cold sniping you. So, it's, like, it's not just they ripped him. They ripped. They ripped Kojima off completely. It's not just a skin tight uh, bodysuit. It's a skin tight <laughs> bodysuit that's like unzipped down to her navel or some shit. Like, it's yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah. She is yeah. very does, booby. Does she? Sorry. Go ahead. Does she also breathe through her skin? <laughs> no, that's that's no, a different sniper in Metal Gear. <laughs> yeah, that's two. That's actually two different snipers in Metal Gear. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's nothing inherently wrong with a female character who is very top heavy. But it's just it makes no fucking sense. Just put a jacket on this poor woman. Like let her have. Yeah, if you, let her have. If warm. you took her. Yeah, if you took her regular character design and then gave her, like, a cool, stylish, like, puffy white jacket with, like, the big fur collar, you don't have to change shit all about her character design otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're gonna give her, uh, basically some motivations, what her political stance is, why she's decided to, like, outside of the gene therapy stuff, why she threw in with, uh, Liquid in this pursuit to, you know, basically, and like, revolt against the U.S. government. Um, and also, she is going to have some more interactions with Ocelot. Not Ocelot, sorry. Otacon. Um, Otacon is your best friend in the game. We're not changing anything about him. <laughs> same voice actor, same dialogue. Otacon is perfect. <laughs> Uh, he is basically the tech, he's, he's your tech guy. You find him being accosted by a cybernetic ninja, you know, like you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I just, I can't, sometimes I say the things that are from Metal Gear and I, like, I've internalized them so they don't sound weird to me. Uh, then I remember what the things are happening in the game. Um, <laughs> but he's basically your tech guy. He also built, like, well, he didn't build it with his own bare hands, but, uh. He designed Metal Gear Rex. So he didn't realize what they were doing with it. So he's better than his dad and sister. Yeah. He's an unintentional war criminal. Oops. And he he takes steps to fix it as opposed to continuing to be a bastard like the other two. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, Psycho Mantis is going to probably just remain the same. Psycho Mantis is the... Is foxhounds requisites uh psychic he gets a little bit more expansion on his his story in other metal gear games so he doesn't necessarily need a whole lot of injection of story here 
uh, though we will have some more cutscenes of him having more of a relationship with Liquid, because that was kind of a thing that got retconned into the series, and is nice, so, you know, they should have a relationship. Uh, Easter eggs and collectibles, uh, 8-bit Metal Gear remake uh, sections that you can you can find and earn and play on terminals, so you can get uh, a feel for what that game played like. Yep. 40 years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, Brian. We're so old. I'm August. shriveling into dust and blowing away right now. It's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it took a minute for that to sink in. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we're keeping Meryl. Yeah, Meryl. Oh. Well, okay, so here's the thing about Meryl. Like, Honestly, your first interaction with Meryl, you would think, would be fanservice-y, but turns out not to really be. But, like, she's kind of a military fangirl, so we'd probably, we'd end up dialing that up a little bit more into full-blown military otaku. Um, (laughs) We'd still keep her kind of, like, idolizing crush on Snake, because Snake is, like, this you know, legendary super soldier that she's heard so much about. So, of course, she's still going to be crushing on Snake. But we're not going to have the weird thing at the end where it seems like that's being reciprocated because it's weird and creepy and no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her her character is largely unchanged, I would say. She just, she's yeah. super naive. She doesn't understand exactly why war and fighting is bad. She doesn't understand why, you know, idolizing a war criminal is bad. And, like, Snake realizes that it's bad that she idolizes her, too. Like, she's like, I'm a fucking killer. Like, I'm here doing this thing because, like, they have a nuclear-armed super robot that our fucking government built, so now somebody has to take care of that, and I guess it's gonna be me, but I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this shit, so fucking cool your jets. You also shouldn't be here wanting to do this shit. Oh, speaking of murdering people, (laughs) um, (laughs) so in the original PlayStation release of Metal Gear Solid, your only means of dealing with guards non-lethally was through either, like, melee combat or stun grenades, uh... You did not get uh, the tranquilizer pistol until Metal Gear Solid 2, and then it kind of became like a a staple of the series. The key thing about this is that while you could technically do a non-lethal run, there was no way to not kill the bosses. Uh, So you did, you know, even if they didn't count against your score or whatever, if you were trying to earn that achievement, like there was like an unlockable, you know, in the original game. Uh, We're keeping that we're taking the trank pistol out of metal gear solid because it got added in when they remade that game for the gamecube it makes the game too easy and also uh, a game that is ostensibly about like war and how soldiers are basically cogs to be used and ground up in the industrial like the military industrial war machine uh you probably shouldn't be able to like come out of that with no blood on your hands as a character. Yep, that's called... Yeah, that makes sense. That's called mm-hmm. ludonarrative dissonance. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just fun to say. Now, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> now, given if you don't want to kill the mooks, it's, it's, it's fine. And that adds a, like, you know, it, it's that's a thing in stealth games. I'm not going to take that away. But you should, like... It cheapens... If we make it to where you have to kill the bosses, yeah. Sorry, go on, August. Well, it it cheapens the whole concept of, like, A, why you're here, and B, the weight of what you have to do if you can just have a magic pistol and go, oh, nighty-night. Like, there's supposed to be narrative weight to the things that you're doing and the choices that you're making, and being able to just, like, non-lethal everything with, you know, an easy headshot or two, just, it negates all of that and makes it Mm -hmm. less impactful and so it's really necessary to keep the uh the fact that you have to kill no matter what it's an important part of what makes the narrative so interesting right and by forcing you to have to definitely kill the bosses who were adding more context to who have sympathetic motivations and are not inherently bad none of like i guess outside of ocelot and liquid snake in the first game that we're going to fix her uh in or 
not fix her. She's still going to be a fucking prick. Uh, <laughs> uh, but she's going to have like clear sympathetic motivations because these people are not evil. They were tricked into having faulty gene therapy by the U.S. government that they're functionally property of because they're all weird super soldiers anyways. Uh, and now the U.S. government was not coming through on fixing them for that. And like, yeah, sure, they have a nuclear warhead, uh, but also like their motivations make sense and why they're doing it makes sense and is in, is in fact sympathetic. Uh, and then when you have to pull the trigger on them, it should hurt and make you feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Liquid Snake, she is your sister. She is blonde. She has, uh, August, I don't think we talked about this. Are we keeping the, the dominant, recessive gene bullshit? <laughs> okay, so, like, <laughs> so, like, I think it's important that she have some sort of complex about, like, what separates her as a clone from you as a clone. I think that, you know, the dominant slash recessive gene bullshit is bullshit, but I think that there should be some sort of, like, you know, there, there was tinkering between the different clones, and she feels like she got the short end of a stick, so she gets, like, this really big complex about it. Yeah. Right. And also, if we continue this storyline into Metal Gear 5, and we've got a baby liquid uh, dealing with the boss, that probably gives her a complex, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mommy issues all around here, because we're, we haven't even gotten to Ocelot yet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Liquid uh, is your sister, uh, your clone, uh has the same code name as you in in the form of snake uh she is a stylish posh british lady she is very mean and very rude but also we're adding in the fact that she does care about her soldiers like she is the commander of this unit and she cares about you killing them uh as you kill your way through foxhound she becomes more and more angry at you personally for doing this because these are these are this is her unit this is her family um and you're killing them all one by one <laughs> uh and it's kind of implied that's part of liquid's motivation in the first game but we're just gonna make we're gonna make that part louder uh yeah. so like when 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 you are shirtlessly fist fighting her on the top of a ruined uh super weapon it has more weight to it <laughs> Uh, we're keeping the shirtless fist fight at the end of the game it's, on the top of a su ruined super. It's weapon very too. important. It's extremely important. <laughs> uh, and then I guess that also brings us to Ocelot. Yes. So Ocelot's history is Ocelot was a Russian soldier uh, around the time of the Korean War, about the you know the same time as Metal Gear Solid Three. Um, he defected. Uh, from the Russian government, and basically kind of became a free agent. Uh, he is also the biological son of the boss and um, the sorrow, who is a ghost psychic man. Um, they had a baby, and it was Ocelot. <laughs> and he is ultimately, in the franchise, the only person who adheres actually to the boss's ideas. He goes about it in a very convoluted way, but he is the only person who seemingly actually understands what the boss was talking about when she gave her sort of like, we should, because the boss's political motivations are war is just inherently bad and it no good can come of it. And we should fucking end that thing. Uh, and then all of the people who basically like say they follow the teachings of the boss misinterpret this poorly and just go on to commit so many war crimes, <laughs> particularly big boss. King of the War Criminals. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But Ocelot uh, is her biological son and functionally your brother now. <laughs> because you are also children of the boss. Uh, so that's real fun. He's still basically the same character, though. <laughs> yeah, it's just instead of having weird issues about dealing with you know, the clones of the man that he loved. He now is having weird issues about dealing with the clones of his biological mother. It's fine. And also, 
uh, we're, we will die on the hill. Uh, everybody is in love with Big Boss, and thus everybody will be in love with the boss or snake. That's just how Metal Gear works. Uh, none of them ever reciprocate any of those feelings because they don't understand people because they're too destroyed by war. Uh, but you have to be in love with them. That's the rule. <laughs> <laughs> what are these feelings I have? <laughs> Gotta push those way down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just bottle them all down and then once in a while you let them up and you just open the lid a crack, let a little bit out and then stuff it back down again. Yeah. Uh, That's how I deal with my emotions. Bottle up these emotions, insert a rag, <laughs> light the rag, Molotov cocktail. <laughs> Boom, baby. Yes. Uh, life hack. Like we said, there there's flashbacks throughout the game uh, to like sections of uh, Outer Heaven. Basically, the Earths are replacing the kind of slightly more boring pacing issues that Metal Gear 1 has. There's a lot of like back and forth fetch questing uh, in that game, to not to pad out the runtime, but like it, it was... 1998 you know just game design has progressed you know what i mean yeah um but to kind of fill in those gaps we we replace them with flashbacks to uh outer heaven zanzibar land like the the metal gear or metal yeah metal gear one and two sort of scenarios uh this also fills out the character of gray fox who is important to the story of metal gear uh solid because he is the cyborg ninja and also the adopted big brother of the medic who has secretly infected you with a, a targeted gene, like a targeted bioweapon. Metal Gear. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they have cloning in the 70s. We can just roll. Yeah. Um, but it, we're going to give Gray Fox more of a character. So when he sacrifices himself for you at the end of the game, it feels like something. Uh, other than like, oh, cool. Th thank you, Ninja Man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just realized that the plot of Escape from L.A. Uh, with the whole like being infest infected with a virus that, you know, is going to kill you after a certain amount of time uh, is very similar to this. And it did, in fact, release in 1996. So I just I mean, want to put that out there. You do remember. You do remember what Snake's uh, quote-unquote, like, yes. real name is in Metal Gear 2. Yes. Yeah. And the fact he looks exactly like Kurt Russell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think Kojima mm -hmm. didn't, uh... <laughs> well, I mean, we knew Kojima had watched at least Escape from New York. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if, uh... Because he would have probably been coming up with the, the plot for this game at roughly the same time that that movie came out, so... Yeah... Um, mm -hmm. having a targeted bioweapon inside of Snake is not that far out of the realm of Kojima just coming up with that by himself, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Decoy Octopus, he can assume other people's identities, including their- he takes their blood. It's a whole thing. Decoy Octopus gets no extra storyline. We don't care about him moving on. So after you fistfight your sister shirtless on the top of a ruined superweapon- you escape in a jeep with Meryl. That's the last kind of big scene of Metal Gear Solid. You get in a jeep and you have to like shoot other jeeps that are chasing you uh, out of the, the base before the base detonates. Um, and it it sucks shit. It's so bad. It's so bad. I wasn't even playing and I could tell it wasn't fun. Yeah, it's not fun. It's not fun in the PlayStation version. It's not fun on the GameCube version. It's not fun. So instead of this, we're going to give you one last boss fight. Uh, and when we say that, we mean the boss. Uh, we get the final flashback to Outer Heaven uh, of Snake fighting the boss at Outer Heaven. Uh, her talking about her politics. It's basically the boss fight from Metal Gear Solid 3 um, against the boss. Which is incredibly fucking hard anyways. <laughs> um, or maybe it was artificially hard because one of my buttons didn't work when we were playing that. We're gonna say it's hard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say it's very hard. I died like 80 times doing it. Uh, and so we get that kind of resolution of like what's going, like how the boss ended up at the very end of her life in this new timeline that we set up. Uh, so it, it builds intrigue for, you know, the other games that we need to make in this franchise. Uh, they're like, cause like, if we just re like, yes, you could just re-release metal gear, but that's not, what we're going to fucking do. Now we have to go further. We must, we have to build a game to surpass metal gear solid. <laughs> 
game ends the same, uh, except there's no, like, weird, uh, the torture scene remains, but there's no, like, pass-fail, uh, storyline change, like there is in the original game. Otacon and Meryl both live, because that was the canon ending to Metal Gear Solid anyways moving forward into the franchise, so fuck it, I guess. Um, there's probably some option to skip it, too, because that, that, like, if you have any sort of, like, accessibility issues with the game, uh, that, that sequence is basically fucking possible. Yeah. You have to tap mm, a button rapidly. Yeah. I hate those things. Uh, you have yeah. the option to skip it. It doesn't hurt anything. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really only, like, differing dialogue, honestly, is how, how we do it. Yeah. Because, like, the, it, it's... Fun because, like, Metal Gear makes a lot of meta dialogue comments about, like, you know, how frequently you've saved or uh, things like that, so. Using a turbo controller. <laughs> I guess other small changes. Um, uh, uh, we talked about a number of small changes that we didn't write down because we're professionals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we didn't mention the Miller thing yet. Oh, oh, so... Uh, one of the characters in Metal Gear Solid is called Master Miller. He was the person who trained you at boot camp. Right. Uh, and he gives you, like, combat, uh, he gives you, like, combat tips when you call him on your codec. But, uh, it turns out halfway through the game that you're not actually talking to Master Miller. You're talking to, uh, Liquid Snake. Uh, and since we're gonna keep, like, Master Miller ends up being a character in Big Boss's life. He's Kazuhira Miller. But we're going to keep the, it's the exact same twist because no one will see it coming because uh, Liquid Snake is a lady and we're going to keep Master Miller as a guy. <laughs> it's the exact okay. same twist. <laughs> Just people won't see it coming because we already made too big a change already. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess the last thing is uh, we did promise the nerds uh, at E3 when we walked out on stage and, and called them nerds to their faces. As you should. <laughs> that David Hayter would be involved in this game. And he should be, uh, because it was a goddamn criminal offense that they recast him for Metal Gear 5. God. Fuck Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the last um, good thing Kiefer Sutherland did was? Fucking Lost Boys. And I will stand <laughs> by that. That's fair, yeah. Um... They paid a lot of money for Kiefer Sutherland, who had, like, maybe 15 minutes of dialogue in that fucking game. So, mad about it. Because it could have made one of the better, like, the second best Metal Gear game yep. <laughs> even better. Yep. But at the end of it, we get a post credit sequence. Everybody's going to be sitting there like, wait, they said David Hayter would be in this game. Um, we get a post credit sequence, much like we do in the original Metal Gear Solid of Ocelot calling to talk to a shady person because Ocelot is a is a quadruple agent. He is always playing all kinds of sides and it turns out that David Hayter is voicing the vice president of the United States in this game who we will come to find out in Metal Gear Solid 2 is in fact the third clone from the Laws Enfants Terrible program, Solidus Snake. Solidus Snake still a guy and still David Hayter baby. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and also we'll have some robot arms in the next game hell yeah <sighs> alright and I think that's our reboot of Metal Gear <laughs> solid yeah I think so probably not some of the biggest changes outside of like being able to like more as the franchise went along it became more focused on it like it's political message that it's trying to tell um, l like we said earlier it's a game that is incredibly is at one hand incredibly problematic and then extremely like, but then extremely like knowledgeable about stuff. It, it's just, it is di like, it is dichotomy embodied in a video game series. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like really great characters, but also really weird, problematic racial politics and, you know, gender politics, but also really good takes on, like, how shitty the military-industrial complex is. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Yeah. It's got good bones, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just needs a bit of extra work, and then we can tell the uh, quote-unquote gamers that 
this is a franchise that has always been political. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Listen, you can't say <laughs> politics was not part of Metal Gear. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I forgot one caveat. Uh, this game has to have a physical release, like special edition physical release on like a, a CD, right? Uh, like our 800 CDs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because this will be like a modern modern game. Yeah, it'll uh, be an 8K uh, but only on CDs, not DVDs, motherfuckers, CDs for your PC. Uh, <laughs> specifically, so on the back of the box, uh, we're going to change Meryl's codec frequency uh, and then also still put it on the back of the physical releases box. So like in the original game, we can reference you to the back of the box when trying to figure out Meryl's codec frequency. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's the whole, whole point of a physical release. And maybe mm-hmm. Psychomantis uh, reads your hard drive or browser history. Uh, he, I'm sure he, that won't be a problematic thing. He threatens um, to to delete saved games for other games mm-hmm. on your computer or yep. your uh, console. <laughs> you bought this game through the Steam store when it was... <laughs> we had an exclusive deal with Epic. Uh, <laughs> That was, like, one of the other things I knew about Metal Gear is that Psycho Mantis nags you about your game history and then you have to, like, switch controller ports in order to beat them. Oh! That was the other thing about Psycho Mantis that we talked about last night. Oh, yeah! Not last night. <laughs> well, ahead of time. Um, <laughs> uh, so, it's hard to switch controller ports uh, with modern gaming peripherals, correct? You know, you, you know um... So somehow this game is going to be in 8K and also we're releasing it on the Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, we're assume by the time we get done with the game, the Switch Pro will be out. It'll do 8K. So on PlayStation uh, and the Switch, you do actually have to switch, like you have to switch to a second player controller that you have uh, attached to your console. Uh, that's going to be very hard to do on PC. So we're extending this to the Xbox as the Xbox is also basically a Windows PC. On the PC and Xbox, whatever controller configuration you're playing with, probably a controller even if you're playing on PC, uh, to get around Psycho Mantis, you must plug in a mouse and keyboard. <laughs> okay. It's the only way he can't see your movements. Or if you're playing on PC and you're playing with a mouse and keyboard, you must plug in a controller. Okay. Uh, you can still beat Psycho Mantis without doing that trick, it just makes it easier. That will just be, like, a fun level of extra work people have to go through, uh, because Metal Gear games make you work for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think I think that is th- that is our game to surpass Metal Gear Solid. Yep, I think so. Uh, if you want to hear us reboot Metal Gear Solid 5, the original version of this timeline, uh, we have, like, an archived version of us playing Kubrick with Jeff Stormer, where we built out this after we played through Metal Gear Solid's entire franchise. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time it was a very good time i think you've created a, ver- a very good game you've refined the the core you found those good bones and you extracted those good bones and you put them in a better body <laughs> <laughs> yes a body that no longer has to breathe <laughs> breathe through its skin <laughs> oh my god oh my gosh um, alright, I, I guess this is a, as good a time as any to go over to a f- friendship promo to surpass Metal Gear. <laughs> Are you ready for Super Idols RPG? Super Idols. A rotating cast of today's hottest up-and-coming tabletop players in one all-new power-packed podcast. Super Idols. Move into a new dimension with the year's biggest pop music-themed, Magical Girl-inspired Masks campaign. Super Idols. Now you can have all your favorite nerdy roleplay in a funny, sincere, diverse, character-driven package. Super Idols. Meet soon-to-be chart-topping idols like Violence Violet, Bane Raven, Symphoria, Elementum, Queen Bee, Warcry, and Karen. Karen. Super Idols RPG. The internet's premier narrative play podcast about superpowered teen idols. Call the number on your screen now to order Super Idols RPG on CD or cassette, or stream it wherever podcasts are sold. Must be 13 years or older to listen because we do sometimes say please do not actually try to order a CD or cassette from us. That's just part of the parody. Please send a self-addressed stamped envelope to yourself because you deserve something nice in the mail today. And seriously, come listen to Super Idols RPG. It's 
pretty cool, and it's a fun show, and we think you'll like it. Visit superidolsrpg.castos.com for more details. Literally any French promo could probably surpass Metal Gear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if, if Saha Lanthropist is pretty dope. I'll go through our list and pick the gayest one. <laughs> um, alright, so... August and Brian, where can you be found on the internet? You can find me on the internet on Twitter at HarpyDora. You can find me on whew, a lot of different podcasts. The first podcast that I always promote is my actual play podcast, Follow the Leader. Um, you can find that at FTLcast.com or FTLcast on Twitter. Brian and I are also involved with an Animorphs-inspired actual play podcast called Dumb Kids Playing Hero, which is at DKPHpod on Twitter. And then the podcast that we're technically on here promoting is uh, Gay Space Rocks, which is Gay Space Pod on Twitter. You can find me on the internet at RoomwarePod, which is also where you can find uh, the actual play podcast that I'm a part of uh, (laughs) called The Room Where It Happened. uh, we're currently doing a um, game of Scum and Villainy uh, set in basically Space Appalachia that has a whole lot of like robots and emergent AI. Uh, it's a it's a good time. Uh, we're getting kind of close to the end of that one, so that, that now's a good time to get caught up, I guess. I don't know. And then you can also find me in August on Mondays on our uh, on Twitch. Uh, we're at Stone. Uh, sorry, we're at Standing Stones Prod P R O D. Uh, every Monday, currently, we're going through the Supergiant games. Uh, right now, we're on Pyre. Uh, we're having a pretty good time with that. Uh, Pyre, a game that doesn't have traditional voice acting until now, because me, August, and our friend Ashlyn are voicing all of the characters in Pyre. I don't know why we've chosen to do this, but we have made <laughs> some choices. We sure uh, have. Because there's a lot of game, there's a lot of fucking characters in that game, turns out. Uh, and sometimes you just make a choice for a character that you don't realize is going to be part of the game for a long time. Uh, uh, and then you're stuck with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Standing Stones uh, is the pod- nonprofit podcasting guild that all of our podcasts are under. If you like actual play podcasts, if you like nonfiction podcasts, it's a good place to to find stuff. You can find Gay Space Rocks there. You can find Dumb Kids and Roomware and FTL Cast. You can also find another Animorphs podcast called The Escafil Files there, where uh, our friends Jade and Danielle uh, go through the Animorphs book series. And also starting, I think, the Thursday that this or not the Thursday, but the week that this comes out. Um, I think. So this comes out next week, right? The, this would be coming out on the 18th. The 18th. Okay. Well, I am one episode into... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am running a uh, an, uh, game of Forged in the Dark over on the Off the Table Twitch uh, Thursday nights um, at 10 o'clock Eastern Time. No, not 10 o'clock Eastern Time. 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Jeez, I cannot think. Uh, we're going to be playing uh, a game titled... Uh, Was it Lonesome Rock? Yes, it is. Sorry. A game titled <laughs> Lonesome Rock, North Carolina. It's going to be a game of Blades in the Dark. Uh, it's an eldritch thriller basically uh, built around me uh, grappling with my complex feelings about my home of Appalachia. So <laughs> it should be a great time. Yeah. Nothing bad will happen. Um, Nothing bad ever happens, happens. ever. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, so check us out. Oh, oh. I also, I'm gonna promote this because we don't have any other way of promoting it outside of our normal podcasts. On the twin, is it the 26th? Is when that's happening, it's August? The Shakespeare thing. Uh, that's a good uh, question. The 23rd. Yeah, here it is. 23rd. Yeah, Friday, uh, April the 23rd, the the birthday of uh, sh- fucking William Shakespeare, uh, our, our podcasting guild is going to be doing a table reading of Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, it's act- uh, ten- we, if, it's Much Ado About Nothing, 10 actual play podcasters, one actual play. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. I don't know who pitched that, but like in our group but they did a great job with it uh that should be very very fun i'm not in it and neither is august but uh we need to get the word out and that like you should definitely check it out 
You know, that's something that I've always wanted to do, is just do a podcast of an actual play. <laughs> I know, and I'm, I'm looking around, I'm looking at my William Shakespeare Star Wars behind me. Nice. <laughs> nice. Alright, I think that we've pimped enough things. Yes. Alright. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to pimp my podcast. Right. Put I'm going to put fucking spinners on, on everything. <laughs> RGB <laughs> everything. Alright. Okay. Lindsay, where are you? I can be found on Twitter at LindsayM476. It's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstar and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstar. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for the not a fire beat you first. And they're pronounced Snake Eater! Um... You can also email us at notifireboutyoufirst at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your favorite animal-themed super soldier. <laughs> That's where you can send us a friendship promo, be it an audio clip or a proof for us to read. Either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast or YouTube, even your DeviantArt. You could even ask to be a guest, but if you do, make sure you send us a hint instead of the entire idea because we like being surprised. We want to give a quick shout out to our Patreons, uh, Charlie, Cassidy, Christina, Julia, Rem, and Theodore. Thank you all. That being said, don't donate to our Patreon because there's much more important things happening out in the world. Um, if you're already a fan of this podcast and just me and Lindsay and our friends in general, you should know what those things are. There's too many to list at the time of recording. So can I just say that please help each other out because... Uh, to quote a podcast that I've been binging while I'm packing into my new apartment, other people are all there is. Mm -hmm. So we gotta help each other out. Um, that being said, if you want to support us without giving us money, then you can simply uh, give us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. And if we're not in that podcatcher of choice, then let me know when I'll try and get us in there. Not If I Reboot You First is a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can find out more about the other awesome shows to share the network with at CornerPodNet on Twitter. And last but not least, our cover art, as always, is by Alex A.K.A. Pachu, and her work can be found on ptchew.com. And our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you like music of his own for your own. So, Tanner. So, Lindsay. Do we have a hint for next week? Uh, we do have a hint for next week. See, next week is another guest. And guess what? Um, congratulations, Brian and August, for being the first guests of what's turning out to be g guest bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guest, guest may. I can't really call it guestuary because it's not February anymore. Guestomania. <laughs> the, yeah, the guestapalooza. <laughs> so next week for part two of guestapalooza, uh, we have someone coming on and he's pitching the perfect storm of nostalgia camp and teens, perhaps with a YA novel that no one has heard of and turning it into a CW series that perhaps could even surpass the juggernaut of the vampire diaries. <laughs> Ooh. And I don't know what this could be, because I've heard of Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Oh, God, this Jesus, is it meta? Is it Animorphs? Oh my God. <laughs> I don't think there's vampires and Animorphs. Oh, fuck, we should get Danielle on here. <laughs> Danielle and Jade on here. <laughs> the CW's Animorphs would be fascinating. I, mean, I don't know if it would yes. be yeah. good. <laughs> but I'd watch it. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be that one time I had a dream of CW's One Piece starring Dylan O'Brien as Luffy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Tanner, you oh, scare God. me sometimes. With the, with the budget effect that they put on, like, the fucking uh, DC shows that they have on the CW. Oh, it would be so good. <laughs> uh, but in the mind tomb, thank you, uh, Brian and August, for being here this week. This was fun. <laughs> 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 cat cat interruption <laughs> we're very we're very happy to have been here uh, yeah it was great so i'm gonna have to i'll, I'll uh, interpret for august <laughs> yeah sorry dog and cat interruption interlude again <laughs> no that's fine it's good <laughs> would it really be but, yeah. a podcast if it weren't involving a pet somehow yeah that's true <laughs> one of us needs to get a pet tanner <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I can get in here because I don't want to. I don't want to get a dog because that would disturb the other uh, tenants. Because I'm in my new apartment condo now. Maybe I'll get a chinchilla. 
uh but yeah thank you for coming on or no wait no sorry <laughs> i'm used to that that's that's next week uh <laughs> yeah that's that's yeah so this is technically a crossover and me and Lindsay. oh yeah yeah, yeah. we should probably talk me about and Lindsay that. are gonna be showing up on gay spakes rocks on well, I mean, we're recording on the day that this episode comes out, so I don't know. What it will be. It will over. be on the Wednesday after that this comes out. It will be that Wednesday of that same week. Oh, sweet! Yeah, you guys have cool. a, a much faster rate than we That's do. That's because Brian's insane and doesn't sleep. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, damn! I wish that were me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, it will be the week after. Sorry, I got my dates mixed up. Okay, so it will be coming out on the twenty eighth. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. We'll be recording it. Sorry, I got I was messed up on where my schedule was because it's not a normal recording day. So it just threw my whole whole brain off. Uh, but yeah, you guys are in for some fucking fun episodes of Steven Universe. <laughs> Let me fucking tell you. I glanced at what we're queued up to watch, and <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but until all that happens. Um, we will see you listeners next week, but not if we reboot you first. Bye. 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 Bye.